our editor would like to know who you think was better, you lot or Oasis? Well, that's not a very grown-up question for Newsnight, is it? I'll pass that on. G'day, welcome to Different Times Podcast. This is a special point something or rather episode that I'm going to do all about the NME. Now, you might be like, Paul, not another NME. This isn't rock music, you fuckwit. Now, this issue is called Enemy is a Blur and Cows, Spiritualized and PJ Harvey. Now, the reason it is called that is simply because... They're the bands that I'm picking out of here. Now, I've done this before with Paul Gets Terrorised, and I've done it before with an episode where it was Q Magazine against another Q Magazine. This one is one issue of NME on the 28th of March, 1992 is the issue date. And the point behind this episode is I'm going to pick, I'm just going to go into this magazine and pick four albums, not at random because that would be silly, I already own a ton of stuff from inside this issue. So I think what's best to do here is I'm choosing albums that I might know a song from. I might get the gist of the band and heard the band before. But uh, these albums I have not heard in any way, shape nor form all the way through. And I'm going to decide whether I like them or not. So the first thing, the first thing that we do, we talk a little bit here about the actual issue. Now, it's um, it's started to turn a sort of yellowy colour, but it smells great. Like I don't know if um, you're as old as me, but when the weekly papers used to come out, uh, music papers, that is, of course, I loved the smell. Uh, just opening up those pages and like fresh from the printers just smell amazing and yeah oddly this has still got its smell about it even though I got it off eBay probably a year ago now so that's nice that's a bit of a weird fetish thing I guess but it's like smelling records and everyone does that right right well there's a ton of stuff to read in this one literally every other page has got something that I I really got engrossed in My favourite little bits were the little news bit for Nirvana, Public Enemy and The Wonder Stuff because they've just announced that they're headlining the Reading Festival uh, 992. That's amazing. And if you want to know more about that, then hop over to episode 12.5 where I give you my review of that said festival uh, from my journey from my house to the moment I get back to my house. Massive disclaimer here. I would have chosen L7's album, Bricks Are Heavy, that was released in this sort of period. There's a massive interview with them in here. And I've got to say, the reason I didn't choose it is because I just know it back to front. It wouldn't be fair. I'd give that an eight, like straight out of the bat. I love that record. Uh, And because I didn't know the other records, even though you would think, well, actually, Paul, they're quite big records. Why don't you know them? was because I'm just rubbish. I guess, I didn't want to taint it with an album that I already knew back to front, uh, as I already said. So, yeah, Bricks of Heavy was released this same period. That's about it. So, with uh, with little more, little more to do uh, on the intro front, let's just get smack bang into this. 
very first band we have up is Blur. And at this point, they'd just had their album Leisure released. And it had been out for about five months at this point. And you might be thinking, well, then why are you going to be talking about it, Walla, you weirdo? But the actual answer to that is because they're on the front cover and there's a big article. Basically, what's happened is, uh, Blur, I've gone to Japan for the first time. And even though Leisure had performed quite well, it still wasn't huge. You know, it wasn't massive, wasn't groundbreaking. I remember at the time, uh, There's No Other Way was um, uh, just awesome to me. I thought that was an amazing song. But I remember the next single being like, oh, this is a bit cack and didn't even bother. Didn't even bother buying the album. I know a couple of my friends did. I don't even think I bothered listening to it, which is why I'm going to delve into it today. Um, It's on Food Records. That's about it. That's about all I'm going to say. So my memory of this, as I just said, uh, is that there's no other way single. I really dug it. I just thought, this is what I want. I miss the Stone Roses. I wish Happy Mondays were better. I don't mind Baggy. Just do it right. You know, do it right. And there wasn't many bands doing it to to fit in with my non-druggy mind. I imagine if I was a, a very druggy young lad, then I would have loved Happy Mondays and would have loved Flowered Up, would have loved any old shit that had come out. But at that point, I was like just to- tightly focused on music. And yeah. And there's no other way, ticked like so many boxes. I could tell just by looking at them that they weren't real. I remember watching Top of the Pops and I just thought Damon's haircut, that massive bowl cut just looked ridiculous. But I didn't care because the song was just a great pop classic. Last night I watched the documentary, which I truly recommend. Uh, It's from 2010. It's a great documentary called No Distance Left to Run. And uh, one of the key things Damon says in this is that when you start off, you're like a gang. And it's really weird because I don't see it in this uh, this album at all. Leisure, it, it just seems really incohesive. It doesn't sound together at all. It just sounds like a stack of ideas that they've put together and the record company's gone, yep, yeah, no, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no. And then and they've just worked on it from there. It doesn't sound like a band believing in themselves at all. And like, if you watch that documentary, you find out, actually, yeah, that is the case. They didn't believe in themselves. They they did feel pushed by the record company. In fact, Damon does say in that documentary as well that Leisure uh, was tightly controlled by the record company. So very, very clear from the outset that I'm not going to love this one. Um, I don't want to slag it off too much, though. I just feel bad slagging stuff off. But one thing I find quite hilarious is that Graham Coxon sounds exactly like David St. Hubbins from Spinal Tap in this documentary. Another reason why you should watch it. Uh, That's about it. So anyway, yeah, this came out the tail end of the baggy scene, as I said. And when this interview came out, they're already recording Modern Life is Rubbish. Um, so that gives you a bit of context of like how already how far they'd already moved on. After this, uh, of course, they then departed for the infamous American tour, which almost broke them up. But that's another story. Probably will happen in another episode of Different Times podcast at some point. So here we go. The interview in Enemy it covers the band's first trip to Japan. 
it's really an inconsequential read. I've got to admit that. It's almost a fluff piece. I don't know why they were on the front cover. The The singles had long gone by now. There must have been that little inkling uh, that actually these guys have got some real good songs brewing for their next record. And also, when I stuck Leisure on, it hasn't aged well. There's no other way. She's so high. I sort of... I, I think they're both great now. I, I loved There's No Other Way and She's So High I thought was a bit shit at the time, but now I really do like She's So High. But maybe I like it just because I already know it. Tends to happen. Like that recognition thing. Yeah, I recognise it. Yeah, it's great. Sounds good. Like it. Uh, the mix uh, in this record as well, somehow, it's really full. It's not too dated at all. And... Oh, I'm quite impressed, to be honest with you. The only thing that uh, really, really is quite exceptionally poor is the drums, and it's not the <laughs> it's not the drummer's fault. It's this all these stupid effects uh, that are added to dance up the beats, like the that just sound they just sound completely like overdubs. It doesn't sound right a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like, hang on, this doesn't sound enough like Happy Mondays. Let's stick that in there. Um, it's pretty poor. Songs on here such as Repetition and Come Together, uh, they do sound like filler material, B-side sort of stuff. Um, the latter, Come Together, man, it does sound like a dodgy leftover from Ned's Atomic Dustbin's early work. And I'm not talking about Godfather. I'm talking about like their really early work. In fact... Um, have a little listen. This is Come Together. So that was a bit of come together from Blur's Leisure. Um, what's the worst points on here? Sing. Uh, looking down this track listing, Sing. It's just terrible. Should have been left off the album completely. Uh, it's it's really bad, actually. It's really bad. It's like the album would have been better without it. 100%. Thinking about that now, definitely 100%. It's awful. There's no... It's a dirge, man, and it's not a good dirge. It's just dirge. Uh, the best quote in Enemy here, and this is what I'm going to leave this album with. Uh, the best quote is Damon again, uh, that seems to be the mouthpiece, doesn't he? He says, I think there's more to us than people realise, and there is more to us than we realised. That's pretty uh, apt, knowing what's to come. Five out of ten, that's all I can give Blur's Leisure. It was good fun to like listen back, but those drums really dated it, and having a song like Sing included was just a bad, bad idea.
So the next album that's in this enemy that I wasn't aware, pretty much I wasn't aware of this one even existing. Uh, I've just heard the band's name thrown around quite a lot. Quite popular uh, within the underground uh, American uh, sort of alternative rock scene at the time. There's a band called Cows. In hindsight, the only album that I even recall existing, uh, and it's purely because the front cover is quite an odd front cover, uh, a little bit like Refused's Shape of Punk to Come. Uh, so it sort of pinged a memory, but I would have had no idea that it was Cows. Uh, this album's called Cunning Stunts. It was released in March 92 on Amrep, or Amphetamine Reptile Records. Uh, it gets a 4 out of 10 review. Keith Cameron uh, gave Cunning Stunts that review, and I love what he said about it. He said, it's an oral whoopee cushion of looped out punk. I like that. It's sort of right, but it's not that good. And I know he gives it a 4 out of 10. Um, I would give it slightly more. I'd give it a 5. Um, the issue with me is it sounds too much like other bands that were around the time and not quite as good. In some places, it's a carbon copy of Mud Honey. It's just so close uh, to to that early Mud Honey sound. Like every now and again, there's even like a little lick, a little riff, like popped in there that I swear was from the first Mud Honey record, the self-titled one. Uh, Butthole Surface is another band that pops up in my head every time I listen to this as well. And after three listens now, I, I've, I can't do it again. Like I'm, I know I'm not going to get anything else from it. Uh, when you listen to albums, sometimes you just know. On Spotify as well, which is where I had to listen to this, uh, the coffee is well glitchy. Um, there's a there was a Tiger's Jaw album. Was it Tiger's Jaw or was it Foxing? Maybe one of them, I don't know. But I know my missus was so angry with the Spotify upload uh, that because it had one song that sort of didn't properly start and glitched and uh, it spoiled the listening, the enjoyment of that album for her. Well, you can tell, like, nobody listens to this thing on Spotify because you get to the halfway point... There is glitches. It's like they've uploaded directly from a CD that was scratched to buggery. It's got that like digital skipping stuff going on every now and again. Like even a few, uh, it's just awful. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> can't believe I didn't listen to it. Whoever uploaded it uh, <laughs> didn't listen to it before they put it on there. It's weird. So you're going to want to know what it sounds like. Um, the best track I can find is the uh, the first track, Heave Ho, it's called. Have a listen.
So that was Heave Ho. Uh, I'd also recommend the song Contamination, but Heave Ho, I think, ups it a little. It's probably, uh, I'd say, definitely the best thing on here. So as well as all this, I, I wasn't willing to give up on them. There's something in that band's name that I just remember them getting name-checked all the time by people that I really, really admired, like bands that I loved, uh, including L7, in fact, uh, that I mentioned earlier on. So what I thought, right, I'm not going to give up. I'm giving up on this record, but maybe there's other great stuff. So I went on YouTube, and there's this uh, sort of cable... Uh, local cable show from America called What? Uh, it's episode 33. If you put episode 33, What? I think you'll find it. It reminds me a bit of Wayne's World. Yeah, so it's got that sort of feel about it, but not as funny. Anyway, their performance in this, uh, I think it was meant to blow me away. It was like this big mess, this big raucous noise. But no, I, I was just like, oh, I've seen this sort of thing done a thousand times and a thousand times better. And it sort of made me think, right, I'm, I've done cows. I'm done with cows. That's enough cows. Cows, no thanks. Yeah. So I, so I left it at that. And then I thought, no, I can't leave it at that. I can't. The, these bands loved cows. I remember them getting name checked. So one more thing. One more thing. Someone somewhere mentioned uh, in some of this research I was doing that the first couple of albums were just complete and utter noise rock and it's going to be something that I that flipped my switch. I was like, ah, so they were like noisy rather than like trying to put together mud honey-ish songs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discover that. So, and that I could find on Spotify and it was a crystal clear copy. Didn't do anything for me again. It was way better. But it still wasn't like lighting my match, so to speak. So, yeah, 5 out of 10 for Cows, 5 out of 10 for Blur. It ain't looking too good, enemy. It ain't looking too good at all. So next up is the band Spiritualized. Now this is a band that I proper detested. You know when you're young and there's bands that maybe get album of the year or something and you're just like, well, my favourite album didn't get album of the year. How dare it? And then you decide never to listen to Portishead again. But I'm talking about Spiritualized and that's the sort of context that I see them in. They must have wronged me somewhere along the line. Uh, I know that Mojo magazine said that uh, one of their albums called Ladies and Gentlemen, We're Now Floating in Space was like this all-time five out of five classic, one of the best albums of all time. So, uh, of course, I can't just ignore that. So I gave that a proper listen a few years back and I just got nothing from it. Now, in this issue of Enemy, they review the debut full length. They've released a couple of singles or EPs before this. But it's called Laser Guided Melodies and it gets 9.9 .9 recurring out of 10 in in this mag, right? So that's a it's an odd score for a start, but that's what it gets. I don't even think this is a rock album. I mean, it's not even close. It's been described by journalists uh, since, did a little bit of research, didn't do too much. But uh, one journalist said it was perfect dream pop. So, I mean, who am I to argue with that? 
I'm not a dream pop expert, but again, it failed to connect with me. And I, I, although, you know, when you listen to something, you can see, oh, actually, it's really good at what it does. It just, whatever it's doing, don't float my boat. So, unfortunately, hang on, let me have another listen. this This is a track called I Want You. You see, with this, uh, the singer Jason Pierce, it just sounds a bit like Ian Brown, but not as not as much personality going on. Uh, I just, oh, I, I, I'm. What can I say? I'm not a fan. Five out of ten, again, really, and it's because, like, I on, honestly, I can see that it's good to a specific type of um, uh, a fan's need, but it's not my fan's need. I don't need this um, in my life, and I don't want to listen to it again. Uh, it's a real shame, though, because I thought, like, when I saw it, I just thought, this is going to be the one, this is going to be my entrance into Spiritualized, and then I'm going to get this Ladies and Gentlemen album, because I really want to like it. But no, not at all. Usually, I want music to affect me like on a multitude of levels, and this just doesn't do it. Uh, also, one of its problems is it's over long. Like, I only listened to this one twice, not three times like the Cows one. I don't know what you would leave off it. Uh, and I'm, I'm not like an ignoramus. That, like, I, know, I know what's awful and there's nothing awful on here. It's just not for me. That's a shame because it is well crafted. Uh, sorry, Spiritualized. Five out of ten, you donkeys. So then the final record, the final one... It's PJ Harvey and Dry. Uh, This came out on the 30th of March. Another debut. This is her debut. And it gets 9 out of 10 in Enemy. The guy that reviewed it is called Andrew Collins. I don't know that fella, so I can't really give you my uh, critique on his critique. But I would have bought it on this, so I definitely didn't get this magazine when it came out because I've never heard this one before. What I did have was Sheila Nagig, the the single, but I didn't have it as a single. I had it as a 12-inch. I bought that at some point, and I loved it, but I didn't want to explore further. Do you know, like, back in the day, you had to actually physically buy this shit, and I had no money. Every time I had money, I was just buying heavy metal. So there there was, like, PJ Harvey was pretty low down. 
I remember seeing that in like a Woolworths bin, like a discount bin somewhere. Uh, definitely picked it up because I've still got it today. Um, and it's a great, great 12 inch, like absolute slaughterer of a song. Love it. But I got well excited because I thought, Do you know what, I've never gone back to this. I did buy the album that followed it, Rid of Me. That was one of my favourites that year. Um, so why I never went back to this, I don't know. Weird. I, as, as I say, the reason I got it was because me and my mates, we used to go to a rock club on a Thursday night. And we would we were the grungers, right? We were these guys that we, as soon as uh, Touch Me I'm Sick picked up, that's us. We were on the dance floor. Everybody sort of like was around the edge of the dance floor, looking on, thinking, who are these twats dancing around? By dancing around, we were sort of moshing, but there wasn't a crowd to mosh with, so we were just moshing on our own. Like, have you ever seen Nirvana's Reading Festival uh, DVD, where they've, they're the headlining in 92, and they've got that fella that's on stage with them just dancing around like a flipping wally, well, that was me and my friends. So the the general consensus uh, of this DJ, he knew that like if he would play it, there's like a group of ten of us that are going to go along. So he would do a half hour grunge set, and he'd always kick it off with Mud Honey. And what he would link it to uh, into like more regular music, such as uh, I don't know, such as. Later on in the day, it was Oasis, but I remember, like, Sugar was big at the time. Um, Stone Roses, the Happy Mondays. All the baggy shit was sort of dying a death, but, like, another track that they would always play and wound me up at the time was Love Will Tear Us Apart. Uh, you know, it was just, just your regular fodder. But that joining track was Sheila and the Gig. So that's when we knew this was the last time that we were going to have a little dance uh, before we started to get drunk and and try our luck with the ladies. <laughs> yeah, that, I say we would try our luck with the ladies. Um, I didn't try my luck with the ladies because I had no bloody hope. They've just seen me dancing around an empty dance floor to uh, Mud Honey's Touch Me I'm Sick, to Nirvana's In Bloom, to... <laughs> <laughs> must have looked a right dickhead. Uh, good times, good times. So, yeah, this, 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 this record, dry, it's well good. It's proper good. I'm, I've really missed out. So, first things first, I love how at this point in PJ Harvey history, is PJ Harvey wasn't just the name of PJ Harvey, of Polly, it was the name of the band. So you had the bassist Stephen Vaughan and you had the drummer Robert Ellis and they get described in the review as a three-piece from Yeovil. Isn't that great? Like, PJ Harvey is a band. I didn't realise that until I read this, so that, that's great. Collins moans in the review... Uh, that there is no lyric sheet, I'm like, well, let the band have their their say. That's my usual take. You know, if they don't want a lyric sheet, fine. That's part of their art. But on reflection, after hearing this, like, what have I listened to this, like, seven, eight times now, I find it incredibly hard to believe that on this first release, PJ Harvey is this good. I love every single song on this. Like, there's not... A, a bummer. There, there is nothing at all, uh, song-wise, that that annoys me. 
You know, the, people might say, oh, well, the arrangements are a bit like light, heavy, light, heavy, like that grungy sort of influence stemming in. But it happens now and again, uh, and I don't judge it harshly for it. it the, the songs feel like they needed it. Hang on, let me play you a song. This is Ostella. So as I said, there's no highlights here. It's all highlights. It's it's really flipping great. I would say it's really relevant today as well. Even though I don't know what each lyric says here, even though I don't know every word, I can tell that Dry is full uh, of Polly, like struggling with, uh, identifying with, celebrating feminist identity. Like, I can see that and I can hear that. And I love picking up the odd line here and there. Some of it is, like, pretty pretty out there as well. Like, um, if it was released today, there is no way this would be ignored. Like, this would be all over the shop, as it was then. I mean, if you want me to put it into context, let's take a band like Milk Teeth from today. Um, there is similarities, you know, in the guitar tones in uh, the uh, delivery but uh, there is a maturity within pj harvey's word smithery that bands like milk teeth uh, sort of would be looking on in awe at there is something stellar <laughs> there is something old stellar about this um i'm gonna give it nine out of ten that's what I'm giving it. I'm going to agree. And I'll tell you the one reason as to why. It's not too much of a, a bad thing, but knowing, as I do, Steve Albini's production on the follow-up album, oh, man, this this dry, it so screams out for his production, his, like, uh, drum sound that he can create, that he can capture, should I say. It, it's It's screaming for it. Yeah, that would be the only downside. Uh, but yeah, more about that in, an, in another episode. This is an album that I can't ignore any longer. If it was released now, it would be huge. I can't believe I missed it at the time. I can't believe I was on that PJ Harvey train, even when I had that bloody Sheila and the Gig record. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I did not follow up on it. Madness. Anyway, there you go. So that's it, man. That's the first part of this. Enemy, 28th of March, 1992. We've gone through Blur's Leisure. We've gone through Cow's Cunning Stunts. We've gone through Spiritualized Laser Guided Melodies. All getting 5 out of 10. Although, no, I've got to give Spiritualized 5 out of 10. I can tell it's good. I can tell it's good. I just don't like that sort of stuff. PJ Harvey, though, is so far ahead. It's almost 
laughable. Nine out of ten for sure for me. Um, what we're going to do with the next one, um, it's going to come out in a week or two. And it's going to be part two of this. So I'm grabbing another enemy. It's going to have Blur on the cover again. But I'm going to go through it and talk about other bands' albums that were released. That's the, my job here. I'll see you then when I dissect that. And Normal Service is going to resume this Saturday with me and Dan having chats about magazines that we uh, we uh, have bought. And, yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, then you can. You'll find me at Different Times Podcast. If you want to like me and have chats with me and arguments with me and agree with everything I say on Twitter, then you'll find me at NotWellaPod. Uh, but most of all, most importantly... Most importantly, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you know where I'm going. I'm always saying this before we end. But yeah, if you're going to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it doesn't take too much, does it? It doesn't take too much. I know there is hundreds upon hundreds of you that listen to this stuff because I'm looking at the stats right now. Why don't you just press five stars like it would really help us really helps us out it means that it might pull us up i'll give you for instance someone types in blur to to apple podcasts and ours might be amongst all the the hits that come up and that's great so then they listen to that and they think oh i'm going to listen to another episode who's which sorrow and before you know it these indie kids, they've grown their hair out. They're listening to Reverend Bazaar. It's all gone wrong. The whole world's gone doom. It's going to be a good thing, right? So come on, give us that five-star rating. Tell me tell me something about your pet dog. I always like pet dogs. And uh, yeah, with that, laters, potatoes. <laughs>